I'm Jordan McKinnis with McKinnis Farms in Monalba, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. As we get ready for another sorghum crop to be planted in the Texas High Plains, it's time for an update on where things stand with the sugarcane aphid. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Several lawmakers are expressing their concern with USDA allowing imports of fresh beef from Paraguay. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Promoting the nutritional value of pork to consumers across the country. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from a representative with the National Pork Board on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Good winter moisture has the Texas winter wheat crop in the best condition we've seen in years. The latest Texas crop progress and condition report shows 40% of the wheat rated good to excellent, 41% fair, and 19% poor to very poor. In the rolling plains of Texas, cattle producer Billy Campbell says the only setback the wheat crop has had was that big blast of very cold temperatures last month. It's kind of knocked back from that cold, cold temperature. It kind of stunted it back like cold weather will do, but it's had really good moisture. As soon as we start warming up, it's going to pop pretty good. We're starting to see a lot of cattle down in the Haskell, Mundy, Seymour area that are starting to pop in. That that wheat down there gets a little further along and jump. We're starting to see a lot of cattle getting processed and getting kicked out. My area is more grass and less stocker, more cow-calf, so don't see it as much. But you can tell this is a lot better year than the last two. 5% of the wheat statewide has headed. Texas horse owners are being encouraged to stay vigilant and practice good biosecurity to protect their horses against an incurable viral disease. The Texas Animal Health Commission recently confirmed the first case of equine infectious anemia in Texas this year. According to the commission, a quarter horse in Harris County tested positive for the infectious disease January 24th. Equine infectious anemia is spread through blood-to-blood contact and can be transmitted via contaminated equipment like needles and by blood-feeding insects like horseflies, deerflies, or stable flies. The commission says spread of EIA can be easily prevented with strong biosecurity by following state testing requirements and by prioritizing sanitary practices, especially when injecting horses. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Rice production in Texas is on the decline thanks to two years of drought. Even though we've seen good rains this winter, there still wasn't enough water to fill lakes Travis and Buchanan near Austin. If those lakes are low, water will not be released down the Colorado River for farmers to irrigate rice. 
Corey Bowen is the AgriLife County agent for Wharton County. He says some rice farmers in his county haven't been able to grow rice for two and a half years. It's two and a half because in 2022, per the water management plan on March 1st, there was enough water for first crop. So the farmers got their first crop in 22, but then on the evaluation date of July 1st, there was not enough water on July 1st, so they did not get water for second crop in 22, and they stayed below that threshold through 23, so no water for either crop in 23. Bowen says if we go another year with these irrigation problems, the rice infrastructure could start to crumble in southeast Texas. Farmers in the Texas High Plains are getting ready to plant sorghum. James Hunt tells us that means it's time for an update on the sugarcane aphid. It's been about nine years now since the pest that we refer to as the sugarcane aphid first made its presence known in Texas High Plains sorghum fields. The aphid did a lot of damage back in that 2015 season, but science has made great strides over the years in giving producers the resources they need to minimize the threat. And Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff says more progress is being made. We continue to come out with hybrids that have better tolerance uh, we're kind of working now that the breeders are on the second generation of resistance. So that's a good thing. It's something that keeps me up at night. What happens if, you know, that resistance all of a sudden breaks down? Well, we've got that second generation coming. So that's great news. From a chemical standpoint, we've got three good products that can be used. We know when to spray, how to spray it. So we can control the aphid. That's not nearly the issue that it used to be. Now, that being said, you know, 2023 probably was a little worse from an aphid standpoint than the previous two years. It seems like once the aphid came in, it was kind of hit and miss depending on where it was at in the region, but it just wanted to stay around for a while. And and usually, you know, we kind of get that influx and then it kind of crashes or it kind of hung around longer. So there was probably a little more spraying that went on compared to previous years. I don't know why, uh, you know, that is. So I'm sure it's going to kind of ebb and flow on that. But again, I don't hear growers talking much about what to do about the sugarcane aphid anymore. We've got the resistant varieties, which means, you know, if you have to spray, normally it's just going to be one time. We know when to spray, how to spray, and, and so we can get it controlled. Good to hear that even though it's still coming around, the aphid is not causing the levels of anxiety it once did. Once again, my guest was Brent Bean with the Sorghum Checkoff. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Several lawmakers are concerned with USDA allowing imports of fresh beef from Paraguay. Jessica Domel tells why. U.S. congressmen are voicing their concern with the U.S. Department of Agriculture's decision to allow the import of fresh beef from Paraguay. During a hearing of the House Committee on Agriculture, Congressman Tracy Mann of Kansas questioned Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack on the decision. I have a lot of faith and confidence in the people that work for APHIS. There have been multiple audits of their system. Uh, we're convinced that their system is equivalent in terms of our, their ability to detect, their ability to quarantine, their ability to respond quickly. We also have put a series of conditions on the importation. The beef can't come from a, a facility that's ever, ever had any FMD. It can't come from a region that's had FMD in the last year. It's inspected both before and after uh, slaughter. Uh, so we are confident that we have a system that that will ensure protection. Uh, And I think I've got to have confidence in the APHIS folks when they tell me after eight years of study, they're equivalent. 
U.S. Congressman Ronnie Jackson of Texas recently introduced a resolution of disapproval under the Congressional Review Act to oppose USDA's final rule allowing beef imports from Paraguay. The congressman said USDA used outdated risk assessment data from site visits conducted a decade ago. We'll have more on that resolution in a future episode. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Pork is an effective way to deliver nutrition to the human diet. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Dr. David Newman. He is Senior Vice President of Market Growth with the National Pork Board. Dr. Newman, there are three pillars of human nutrition. Explain each of them and why they're important for consumers to know. The number one attribute for pork, what gets a consumer to purchase pork? It's actually taste and flavor. That's what brings a consumer into the market. But our number one barrier to consumption is nutrition. So as we think about this future consumer of pork, which is a younger generation, baby boomers start to to phase out of being the primary consumer of pork. We need to start thinking about millennials, Gen Z, even alpha beta as we move down this line. And we talk about these three pillars, the science, the story, and the endorsement. They're the backbone of our platform known as Surprisingly Pork. What that means is we are going after a nutrition program that is scientifically backed. Let's just think about talking to registered dietitians, getting to physicians. On a consumer level, Surprisingly Pork is very specifically targeted at millennial moms, of which we'll have A million children per year, it is estimated, for the next five to eight years. So this is where a lot of purchase decisions are made for families. The science backs the story, and we endorse that story by getting active in that registered dietitian and physician community. 80% of pork consumption and 80% of the U.S. population is in 24 states that are not major pork production states. Right at the top of that list is California, Texas, Florida, moving up the, the Northeast Coast. We want to be sure that we understand who those consumers are, what they're purchasing, and we're going to help make pork top of mind in that market. That is Dr. David Newman. He is with the National Pork Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A strong cattle market is bringing lots of cattle to the feedlots, and that could be slowing down rebuilding the herd. Hello, I'm Barry Muller, and I have the story in today's report. And there are some things you can do to help prevent disease in pregnant does during the winter. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. Making Texas agriculture great again. This is Texas Ag Today. A strong cattle market is bringing lots of cattle to the feedlots, and that could be slowing down the rebuilding of the beef herd. Barry Mahler has this update from Wichita Falls. 
We are continuing to see good moisture across rolling plains, and hopefully it will continue to spread out and help everyone as we move towards spring. The soil is saturated enough to finally run some stock water after last summer's hot dry spell. takes a while to get the ground healed up to yield runoff, and I do see our area lakes are hovering around 50% capacity. They're coming up a little, so that is good news. But the rain also brings some good grazing, and the big news in the ag circles is the cattle market. It's strong right now in just about every category. A drought like we had in some key areas of the country always sends more cattle to the feedlots as grazing place out in the country. And that includes heifers that would be kept for cows to replace older cows or grow the size of the herd. Now, traditionally, when the big numbers of cattle hit the market, it slides lower. And although it did somewhat, it never retreated as much as some analysts expected. And now with less cattle in the market chain and good demand still holding, the market is hot. Now, a few numbers to watch right now are heifers on feed to get a feel for short-term supply and the future size of the herd. Heifers as a percentage of calf sales were 41.4% in the latest cattle on feed report. Now, that compares to 40.7% of the banks last year this time and 40.4% over the last five years. So, we're sending more to the feedlot. So, that number tells us that the rebuilding of the herd will be slower as the strong market is bringing heifers to the lot rather than holding them for cows. And that pushes the rebuild of cattle numbers to the next calf crop and delays the process as we move forward. Although you can take a set of statistics and usually find any result you're searching for, I think we can safely say that ranchers are being cautious with this rebuild and willing to enjoy the strong demand and strong market just sit back and take a profit. We must also remember that there are areas even here in Texas that have not recovered from the drought, so that's affecting things also. Maybe with more cattle heading to the lot, we can feed up some of this grain as our grain markets continue to slide lower. But that's another topic for another report. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. There are some things you can do to help prevent disease in pregnant does during the winter. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at some of those things. Pregnant animals require more nutrition, especially in cold weather. However, overfeeding pregnant animals can be a problem, as this can lead to metabolic disorders and reproductive failures. So grouping pregnant animals at the same stage of pregnancy can simplify feeding. As far as diseases, pneumonia is probably the most common condition and can be related to poor ventilation in a barn, stress of transport, and even a sudden change in diet. Vaccinating your animals with Pastorella vaccine can decrease the amount of disease in your herd. Also, vaccination for Clostridium C and D can prevent overeating disease. Any sudden change in diet or stress can lead to this disease that causes a loss of appetite, abdominal pain, diarrhea, and usually sudden death. Always change diets gradually to help avoid these issues. As with all pregnant animals, successful management requires regularly monitoring for behavioral changes, such as isolation from the flock. Signs of impending parturition include swelling and discharge from the genital area. Make sure the mothers have milk to feed the babies. As with most other livestock, babies that do not ingest first milk or colostrum are unlikely to survive. So make sure there is a significant milk in the udder and the babies are nursing within four hours after being born. Mothers should pass a placenta in 12 to 24 hours after birth, and if this does not occur, ask your veterinarian for advice. Babies must be kept warm in this cold temperature, 
as they cannot regulate their temperature well for the first one to two weeks of life, so a shelter is highly recommended. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Now back to more Texas Ag Today. Let's take a look back at how all the markets wrapped up on Friday. We ended up strongly higher in the cattle futures market, with live and feeder cattle both making triple-digit gains to wrap up the week. February live cattle up 210, 185.60. April up $1.37, 187.90. June live cattle up $1.17, 183.87. Feeders higher also. March feeder cattle up 252, 254.57. April up 327, 259.97. With May feeders up 275, 262.07. Cash fed cattle over the past week, 183. Sold cattle here in the Southern Plains. That's three bucks higher compared to last week. Up north, same price on the live sales, 183. Dressed sales, 292 this week. Boxed beef was higher on Friday. Choice, 301.21. Select at 287.42. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry, producers in Cargyle, sells uh, sheep and goats on Tuesday in San Angelo, but they do a great cattle sale on Thursday. Jody, how was that cattle sale? Another good cattle sale. 880 head was the total today. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 240, all the way up to a high of near 365, mostly from 260 to 295. Heifer calves, four to 600 pounds, 210 to a high of near 295, mostly 230, 275. Slaughter cows average to high yielding, 82 to 104. Some of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 105 all the way up to a high of 119. Thin are very low yielding cows from 65 to 80. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding 95 to 117. Some of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 118 all the way up to a high of 141. Bred cows and two-year-olds, young to solid mouth cows, medium to heavy bred, anywhere from 1,000 to 1,600. Cow-calf pairs, singles and small groups of those, few of those from 12 to 1,800. Did have two sets of those five-year-old Hereford cows. Uh, one group brought 1900 and one set brought 2475. What are you anticipating for next week? I would think more of the same. Uh, weather uh, looks uh, to be good over the weekend. Uh, yep. 5,000 or more sheep and goats. Uh, that that seems to be a, a good number for us right in there. Uh, cattle numbers, probably more of the same. Somewhere in this eight to 900 head. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. Office numbers 325-653-3371. Mobile phones 234-7895. Jody, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. 
Neighbor, looks to me like that's it for this edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. That was Jody Fry, producers in Cargill, San Angelo. They sell sheep and goats on Tuesday, cattle on Thursday. Jody, thanks for the report. Neighbor, thanks for listening. Back over to the futures market now. Our lean hogs were steady to higher on Friday. April hogs unchanged, 87.20. The May up 52 at 90.85. Class 3 milk lower. Nearby February milk down 6, 16, 13, 100 weight. The March contract up 15 at 1728 100. Cotton finished the week lower on Friday. We did have an up and down week, but we'd still managed to hang on to the strong market on the old crop contracts that we had. Some profit taking coming into the market on Friday, pushing prices down. Also, our weekly export sales report was a day later. It was released Friday morning. It did not look very good for cotton, so that weighed on prices. May cotton down 97 points, 93.45. July down 100 points, 92.62. With new crop December cotton down 10, 83.39 cents. Corn took another drop on Friday, hitting yet another contract low. We've hit that 10 out of the past 13 trading days. Favorable weather in South America continues to push corn prices lower. In fact, on the nearby contract, we dropped below $4. Long time since we've seen corn in the $3 range. March corn down six and a quarter, three ninety-nine and three quarters. May down five at four thirteen and a half, with September corn down four and a half, four thirty-five and a quarter. Russia continues to have the cheapest wheat on the world market. That weighs heavily on prices around the world, including our markets. Both hard and soft wheat taking another drop on Friday. March Kansas City wheat down five and a quarter, five sixty-eight and three quarters, with the new crop July contract down eight at five fifty-eight a bushel. Soft wheat in Chicago, same story. March down nine and three quarters, five seventy-three and a half. New crop July down ten at five seventy a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas was down 14 cents at $1.59. April West Texas crude oil down $1.98, 76.63 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow up 100 points, 39,169. The Nasdaq down 25, 16,016, with the S&P up 7, 5,094. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in his greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.